Welcome to Shared Instance, a podcast on iOS development by three iOS developers in Cincinnati, Ohio. I'm Sam Corder. I'm Alex Argo. And I'm Alex Robinson. This is episode 143. Hey guys, how are we doing this week? Not too bad. Getting uh, closer to WWDC. Do you got your... You have your plane ticket and your hotel all set up, and you're good to go, right? Yeah, got that taken care of uh, right after the tickets uh, were released. I even have my accommodations for Dub Dub lined up <laughs> in my plane ticket. I'm still not sure what I'm doing during the week, but <laughs> <laughs> well, there's always Alt Conf and, and layers. Yeah, Alt Conf and... is like the uh, fallback one. I can't decide if I want to give Next Door shot because that one you actually have to like pay money for so i'm kind of waiting and seeing to see how things are gonna go is next door is that related to the coco conf people yes okay. it's the this same family client family okay yeah I, I did a crazy thing earlier this week i guess last week <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh yeah you were telling me about that <laughs> yeah <laughs> so there was a bunch of couple of call for papers and keeping with my new year's resolution of trying to speak at a conference i did submit a talk to altconf which they don't pay for your travel or anything like that it's more of like a hey if you're in town and want to come to speak go ahead and sign up so uh, if i actually get picked i'll have to figure out how to just be in town for that one Well, good luck, or or not <laughs> good, good luck with good. that. I can't tell which one you really want. <laughs> yeah, um, it would make me pretty nervous to speak at AltConf, but I would be happy to do it. Um, the other one I did submit to was 360iDev, and we'll, we'll see if that one comes off or not. I really like that conference. It, it can be hit or miss sometimes with the different topics and whatnot and speakers but all in all it's a pretty good conference and especially if you're not going to dub dub then i i can't recommend it anymore because it's it's really good cool well, yeah I, i've also been uh struggling with gdpr stuff this past week or so that's super fun figuring out what we actually need to do for our apps because we have every third-party framework you could imagine that collects or does something with data. Hmm. Uh, In those third-party frameworks, are they not offering any kind of guidance? Well, they all... So, so I mean, we have a couple analytics frameworks. Uh, we have Flurry. We have um, Fabrics uh, Analytics. And then we have... Crashlytics, obviously, and then we have a bunch of different ad networks, and they all kind of have different, sometimes even conflicting guidance and agreements that you automatically agree to by, like, continuing to use their service. Uh, so, some of them, like, you know, you know how Apple's new apps have all those pop-ups for GDPR? Uh, some of them even will supply a pop-up, but that covers... You know, just their niche. It doesn't cover all of our things that we have. 
even just like storing stuff in iCloud, you're in theory supposed to, you know, have like a GDPR notice for that and notify them about that data you're collecting, how it's being used and stuff. So we talked to a lawyer earlier this week to, to try to figure out what the minimum we could do. And that's kind of an ongoing process. But the the max penalty is, I think, 20 million euro. So don't want to mess around with that stuff. I bet you guys are glad that most of your apps probably are U.S. only or don't collect any data. Yeah, I think uh, that's probably a big uh, <laughs> nice benefit that most of our companies are U.S.-based. Um, but we have talked to a few of our clients that are international and collect data uh, you know, fortunately, we're not responsible for for that data, but yeah, <laughs> there's no provide some mechanism for for allowing the customers to manage it. Yeah. Well, you have to notify them first of just like all the data that you have on them and what it is. Then you have to let them manage it and opt out of certain things. So it's a it's a very strenuous regulation for like a three person company to deal with. So. Wish, wish me luck on that stuff. Yeah, and there's no Cocoa Pod, as far as I know. That yeah, I was looking for one earlier, like a little GDPR notice that like just uses the way Apple does it. <laughs> yeah. Although we have Android too, but yeah, that'd be nice if there is some stuff like that out there. We could just fill in some, hit some checkboxes or something. With, you can't get away with just updating terms of service and finding out. Yeah, saying that the terms have been updated. There's, I mean, there's all kinds of, like, unknowns with it because it's a very, like, the the regulations have very strict penalties and stuff like that. Um, but no one knows how they're going to be enforced and all that kind of stuff. So you just don't want to end up being that guinea pig. Yeah. Now I, you know, there's part of me that would think that that would eventually come to the U.S., but you know, under the current administration, uh, it's fairly uh, re- regu- regulation light. You know, maybe we won't see it anytime soon, but I I expect there's going to be something. Within the next five or ten years, I would imagine that yeah gives gives so, American citizens some specific rights and uh, regulation about their own data. Or I, I, I mean, with all the stuff that's gone on recently, I've I've got to imagine that the the people seem like they want it. Everyone's angry about Facebook yeah, and stuff. That was last week, though. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So here's one thing that came up in our Slack last week that was it got some good conversation and I think some of it was like the numbers were just weird because I didn't expect them to be this way but one of the things was that developers ship less apps this year oh you're talking about that last year the app the year's blog post 
kind of like yes. a year in review type thing. Okay. Yeah. So, what was it? 20 percent less apps or something? On iOS, I think Android they they continue the trend of shipping more apps in the previous year. But this also doesn't include like Apple's crackdown on like, you know, like thirty two bit apps and stuff like that. Though this this was just for new apps, so. Even just new apps were down on iOS, like 20%, which is, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, 29%. So 29% fewer apps in 2017. Although I think a lot of the Android apps were apps that were on iOS that got ported to Android. So that may be, that may account for some of it. Like they were already on iOS, then they went to Android, but yeah. My my favorite section of this article was the one that talked about the non-native tools that apps are made with. It had a whole bunch of interesting stats. Uh, my favorite stat was that year over year, non-native apps has gone down as a percentage of new apps that are developed on iOS and Android. So that's probably good for all of us who prefer to to write native apps <laughs> <laughs> yeah although i it, it calls into question these things like uh where it says that react native is such a small percentage of the actual non-native apps that are developed when most of the time when you hear about a job post for mobile a lot of it has to do with react native or it's just plain native. You don't ever really hear anybody say, oh, we've got job openings for uh, Adobe Flex app developers. Well, yeah, like the... So the the top three, or the top two, not surprisingly, were Cord- Cordova was the number one most popular non-native tool with 39%, Unity with 30.93%. So basically web apps running on your phone are the majority of, or the highest amount of non-native apps, and then games, you use Unity, that makes sense. And then Adobe Flash slash Air was number three with 10.3% of the non-native apps, which surprised almost everyone, like Sam was saying. Like, I didn't even know that that stuff could still export to anything, much less to, like, an app that you can run on the App Store. And it's not even a platform that Adobe pushes anymore, right? They've I don't pretty think much, so. I know they've given up on Flash. It's just kind of in maintenance mode where it'll get security patches. So that that just seems odd to me. And, and I understand Xamarin being up there. That's definitely... I mean, Xamarin was 4.5%, so it's it's used by some people... I would never have guessed that Xamarin was more popular than React Native, though. That's that's probably, other than the Adobe Flash, React Native only being 1.85% of non-native tools. Yeah. It was kind of the big surprise to me. Because it does seem like it gets a lot of the mindshare of, of non-native developers. And I wonder if it's... I mean, I think React is... You know, has gained a whole bunch of popularity just as a web framework. 
in the past couple years. For now, at least, give it a give it well, a few weeks. And I so yeah, we also have something. <laughs> That's fair, but I, I thought maybe wrong wrongly that that translated over to React Native as well. But based on the apps that were released in 2017, new apps that were released. That's really not the case as far as app figures data goes. And I think they, they looked at this data by just they downloaded all these new apps that came out and looked at what frameworks they had in them. So, I mean, I don't know what better way to to discover that Yeah, there would be. What, what, what are your thoughts on it, Alex? As a, you run a consulting company and I got to imagine that React Native comes up from time to time with your clients. Does this surprise you? Uh, yes and no. I mean, React Native is still probably one of the most popular requests we get uh, for cross-platform solutions. And, and there are definitely use cases where it makes sense. Um, but more often than not, we talk to people who have done a cross-platform solution and want to that to native uh, it's yeah, I, I think if you have web developers react native is is makes a lot of sense um, but if you have native mobile developers and performance is is key and you don't want to have to continuously chase uh, a third party framework that changes all the time uh, react native also still has that uh, patent clause in it last I checked. Uh, React.js removed it, but I have not seen any updates that say that it's removed from React Native yet. What's the patent clause? Does it say that like Facebook is not liable if you get sued over the any patents that are used in React Native? Uh, it's basically if you get into a patent suit with Facebook or a patent disagreement with Facebook, they remove your right to use the framework. Hmm. Um, That's kind of rough. Yeah. I don't. I can't imagine many people want to get into a patent dispute with Facebook, though. No, but I mean, Facebook's in it's, so many different markets. Um, you they're know, they're not it, someone you want to mess with. Yeah, <laughs> and they've got so many patents on the books through acquisitions and such that, yeah, even. Even somebody who's not specifically in like a social network space might run into like for example, if you had a big um, a big data organization with uh, and you're collecting user data for for your business, you could potentially stumble into an area that Facebook has a lot of uh, um, intellectual property so it it scares a lot of big companies away as it should but Facebook's never actually um, as far as I know enforced that clause on anybody yeah I feel like it's more of just a a protectionary clause if like if you sue them for patent infringement they're gonna take you down with them but it it does have that nefarious side yeah, it was originally, or supposedly it was added in to protect against patent trolls, which I totally understand. Um, but it's, yeah, it's definitely, uh, 
the language is a little bit scary. Yeah. Yeah. It it's like any weapon. It can be used for self-defense or it can be used in uh not so self-defensive ways. So. Yeah, so it's only 1. Point, what did I say? Like uh 1.85% of a quarter of the apps. So there are not that many people doing it, luckily, that are shipping. So hopefully it just goes away in a couple of years. That's what I'm hoping. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, I don't I don't mind seeing JavaScript frameworks die untimely deaths. It surprises me that Appcelerator is still up in that list and relatively high. Yeah, that almost seems like it's like some template apps or something. But yeah, who knows? Yeah. Well, higher higher than React Native, though, right? Right. (laughs) Almost twice as high. Yeah. The one, you know, speaking of template apps, that's probably one of the reasons that the Android apps have still kept uh, growth rates because yeah, it's just a a much less policed environment and you always have like soundboards and fart apps and all that kind of stuff constantly being released on android man it could be i had not thought of that angle before i'm sure all the android people are like our app store is pristine i don't know what you're talking about but <laughs> i haven't seen a fart app in three weeks <laughs> so what so what else what else is new in in iOS land, guys. So there were a couple of conferences that took place recently, and some of their videos are out. There's a TriSwift from Tokyo, the Tokyo edition. Uh, that's up on YouTube. Some good-looking, good videos up there. Uh, there was some things on the new memory management coming down the line in Swift 5 which comes from their uh, Rust users, the Rust developers that are kind of taking over Swift development at Apple. A couple of other good ones. Kotlin for Swift developers. Running Swift on a Raspberry Pi. That seems like fun. Or on your TensorFlow. (laughs) Do they have that? (laughs) Uh, there's a Core ML talk. No, I don't see a TensorFlow one. That may not have been announced by the time the conference was. That's a relatively recent. Yeah. And yep. then uh, the talks from TechieCon. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but it was a conference in Atlanta in back in March. I guess it was their first one. So I hadn't heard of it until I saw the videos for it. I hadn't heard of it till you talked about it right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's huh. associated with the Big Nerd Ranch from what I saw on the okay. website. Based on some of the speakers? Some of the speakers, and it mentions Big Nerd Ranch a few times on the website. So. Okay. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. Not all of their videos are up, but they're, it's a, they're starting to trickle in. Yeah, it looks like two out of the three talks have like a hawaii reference on them yeah 
Yeah, that's why I thought at first that it was in Hawaii. Yeah. And I thought, man, that's a great conference if you can get your company yeah. to send you there. But now it's Atlanta. It's, you know, landlocked state versus... You can go check out all the Atlanta. sites where they film Walking Dead if you're in Atlanta, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, that was... Well, I don't want to go off on that right now, but... <laughs> I was the comic series. They they went into DC a couple of times, and I thought that's what was going to happen, but they they worked around that. But yeah, you can go see some stuff in a Atlanta area. Probably a lot of movies too. Cause Georgia supp- has a lot of tax breaks for movie companies. That's true. I have a like a distant relative who does actory things but yeah and who, who would have known that Atlanta is where a lot of stuff gets filmed um, so one other cool thing if you're bored of conference videos a couple weeks ago Charles Proxy came out for iOS everyone's favorite network debugging slash proxy tool and it actually works it's kind of cool <laughs> so how does it actually work so I guess there's a there's a network extension framework they added in iOS 10 or 11. I'm not sure which one. But it va- it basically presents itself as a VPN. Um, but it it's not a VPN. It's, it's basically just um, any network code goes through your network extension that you wrote. Uh, is my understanding of how it works. Uh, so you still can like install a certificate to do SSL proxying. You get HTTP proxy proxying just you know out of the box, and basically you can you know view and inspect all the networking stuff that your app and then the other app on the OS is doing. So some people are disheartened when they do this on an actual device and see all the different network requests that are going on. Um, <laughs> but as you would expect, but it's a, uh, it's like a legitimately useful tool. Uh, we had one of our contractors doing some work uh, and I had tried to get this person to set up Charles proxy on a computer before to like capture some bad ads before and they couldn't figure that out. But I, I guess they managed to get Charles Proxy for iOS up and running and capture some stuff locally on the iPad that they were testing on. So it's kind of cool that it's a thing. I, I could see like for testing, like if you have a group of testers, it could be really useful. Or even if you just want to just kind of inspect and debug network traffic on your device, the only... It's kind of a limited subset of Charles Proxy uh, for the desktop right now. It does not have any of the, like, a pause and either, like, cancel requests or edit them in line. Mm. Oh, any of that a... kind of stuff there. Although, yeah, that's a nice for the most feature. part, it, I mean, it's a nice feature, but I don't know how... I I use that on a very rare occasion you know on the desktop charles proxy so i don't know it's it's kind of a it's a cool thing if you 
I, I would yeah. just say check it out. Give this guy some money so he'll keep developing it so right. I get more features. It's but cheaper than the desktop version. Yeah, it's only it's like a, ten bucks or something. Yeah, nine dollars from what I can see right now. And so it creates a, a local VPN on your device, and then all the network traffic passes through that VPN. Yep. But it's it's not like it's... I mean, it shows a VPN, and when I think a VPN, I you know I think it's uh, some other network thing that I'm connecting to. But yeah, it's it's just running running through local code. It doesn't have to have any like special... Like, the app itself doesn't run in the background. It's just like a network extension, which... I was surprised that I, I didn't even know that Apple had added this API in whatever OS version they did, but it's kind of cool that it's a thing that's there. Yeah, I, I think I'll have to go buy this because it, it can be super useful. Yeah. <laughs> hey, as a developer, if it if it saves you 10, 20 minutes... That nine dollars just you know, it, it's already been paid for at that point. Yep. Oh yeah. I would definitely recommend checking it out if you're anyone who does network stuff, which is probably everyone, so <laughs> check it. I only use Firebase, I don't need it. <laughs> <laughs> so we have new Swift goodies. Yeah, so do you want to uh, tell us about those, Alex? <laughs> Yeah, uh, so we got Swift 4.1 uh, recently, which we talked about on a previous episode, uh, but they're already kind of ramping up for Swift 4.2. There's some interesting uh, little goodies in in 4.2. Uh, if anybody's ever created like a all cases or all kind of uh, property on, on an enum in order to iterate through, all the various cases uh, you always had to do that manually uh, now there's a protocol coming that called case iterable that'll let you iterate through the cases and essentially it generates that uh, that all cases uh, computed property for you and just to be clear Swift 4.2 is on Xcode uh, 9.4 which is in beta right now is that correct? I believe so Okay. And then another uh, little gem in Swift 4.2 is dynamic member lookup, which is an attribute that you can add to a class. And it's kind of the method not found uh, message handler that we had in Objective-C, but now in Swift. So you can create, if you put this annotation on and create a, handler that takes that a dynamic member uh, which is for the most part just a key you can do some magic to return a value um, look it up in a dictionary uh, probably one of the more obvious use cases would be creating a wrapper for a JSON parser so you could start referencing properties um, or values within that structure using dot notation as opposed to strings. So that could come in handy. That could clean up some code and make it, wouldn't necessarily make it type safe, but it would uh, definitely make it 
a little bit more readable. Yeah, I remember when, when you guys all started doing Swift, I was looking at some sample code for what what hoops you guys had to jump through to parse JSON. And there was those pyramids of doom all over the place. Uh, it was insane. Codable has made that a lot better, um, but there's still things like that that are more difficult than they should be, so that's kind of where this dynamic member lookup may come into play. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what people do with that. Sounds like it's getting reasonable, at least, to parse JSON and Swift. So that's that's cool for you, Swift guys. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and, you know, beyond Swift 4.2, there's a few specs out there for Swift 5. The one that that I'm most interested in is this idea of extensible enums. Um, you know, right now, if you want to add a new case, especially if it's an enum that's in a, a library or framework, uh, you can't just extend it and add that case. So um, it sounds like Swift 5 is going to add the ability to to make those enums extensible. Um, there's definitely some caveats to that because you the compiler is going to force you to handle all cases. So instead of having a default, you know, there's this idea of unknown case to handle the ones that you're not prepared to handle in library code. So there's this whole uh, problem space called the expression problem uh, for dealing with, you know, how do you make code that's that kind of adheres to the open close principle so it can be easily extended without having them the modify the the original so this arguably uh, would help out with that the the solution for the expression problem in swift is it's not too bad but uh, it's not just using a straight enum so with this that'll that'll get a lot easier to which is good for writing extensible libraries. Yeah, it seems pretty cool. And, you know, since we were talking about Codable earlier, uh, Matt Thompson, uh, which we haven't heard much from since he went to Apple, uh, he, he's now independent again and uh, back to writing, and he's got a new book series called Flight School. And his first book is on Codable. So, it's Flight Dot School. I oh, think Flight that, Dot School. It's important. <laughs> yes. Apparently, it's important. <laughs> the, the Twitter handle is Flight Dot School, and I guess he likes flying airplanes and is going to teach us about Swift with the metaphor of flying. So, the Codable book is very uh, detailed. So I checked it out shortly before this podcast, so I haven't had a chance to read it thoroughly yet, but it's over 140 pages. There's a lot of examples, um, a lot of depth to it, so it's not you know just a blog post turned into a book in order to make a little extra money. It's you know There was a decent amount of effort that went into it. And most of the stuff Matt does is, is pretty great so definitely worth checking out yeah i wonder if we'll get 
some some new fresh content on NS Hipster. That was always some good content for Matt Thompson with three T's. He's an interesting guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't think there was any comment about whether or not he'd pick that up again. He had handed it over, but uh seems like it had mostly gone to the wayside. Yeah, I think he was kind of forced to hand everything over. Yeah. Which, yeah, it's kind of a bummer, but I think he was trying to do some good stuff at Apple. Now he's back to doing whatever he wants for the community. So, yeah, I'm excited. Um, On that note, I think that's about all the time we have left this week. So why don't you guys tell us where we can find you on the internet? You can find me at AJ Robinson on Twitter. And you can find me at Sam Corder. You can find me at Alex Argo and the podcast at Shared Inst. Uh, come chat with us in uh, chat.sharedinstance.com. You can get an invite to our Slack. And we will be back at you in a couple weeks. Uh, we've got some vacations and stuff going on, but we'll we'll talk to you soon. And in the meanwhile, come come chat with us on our Slack.